to the Cult of Domesticity podcast, a podcast about history, true crime, and whatever life brings us. I'm Courtney, and every week I am joined by another fascinating person. Let's see what we're going to talk about this week. We're back with Lindsay from 33% Pulp, and I'm going to sing Lindsay's song again. Guess who's back? Back again. Lindsay's, Lindsay's back. back. Tell, Tell a friend. friend. That's Tell my song. a friend. Tell a friend. <laughs> the trail off. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> i'm gonna you know what i'm gonna do i'm gonna put that on patreon for people so if they like it or their name is Lindsay. yeah their name is Lindsay. they like it you know i should put that on we we don't have a patreon but that could be one of our things <laughs> just it's just me i'll just i'll just cacaw into the mic several times that could be your text tone that yeah that's like the background <laughs> music like that's the techno version with it <laughs> Edited in. <laughs> That's awesome. And I wonder why I'm single. <laughs> well, I thought it was a great idea, and I'm also single, so <laughs> I guess that doesn't add much to the <laughs> Could be a reason, actually. <laughs> We're just too much fun, and no one gets it. Uh, <laughs> yes, Lindsay from 33% of the pulp. Mm. With the great pulpies. The pulpies. I love the pulpies. I do too. They're kind of fun. Yeah. Which covers 33% of pulp novels, which I love this season. You had the Hulk on there. Mm. And I was like, and then you recapped Avengers Endgame. So I didn't have to go see it because <laughs> I haven't seen. We covered that like shot by shot. <laughs> you know, I was like, well, I haven't seen in a Marvel movie since Thor Ragnarok. So I'm good now. Yep. <laughs> You don't need to, you know, three hours versus, you know, an hour with us, you know, save your money. <laughs> it was great. It was funny. I learned a lot because, like I said, I have not seen a Marvel movie, even though they're on Netflix now. I just always am like, it's really intense. And I've probably read about murder at some point that day. So, no, mm. I'm going to watch Below Deck mm-hmm. Mediterranean now. So <laughs> or nailed it. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, I love Nailed It. Please start a ca- I want to be on Nailed It so bad. I think it would be fun. I think it would be hilarious. I would definitely watch it if you were on it. There okay, it is. I'll wear- oh, there we go. Nailed It, wear people. Wear a t-shirt. You gotta get Courtney on. <laughs> yeah. Guys, let's start a grassroots campaign. By the way, Lindsay, because she just took a drink, her, speaking of su- shameless self-promotion, everyone, <laughs> all my podcast friends will have to, if I get on there, they'll have to send me things so I can wear it. But Lindsay... We were joking. We were talking before this, and she takes a drink, and I go, "Do you have a thirty-three percent pulp sticker at the bottom of your beer koozie?" And she's like, "Uh," and then checked, and she goes, "Yeah." <laughs> I totally forgot. Well, I think. Well, now that I'm remembering, it's because it's a circle sticker, and it like perfectly fits here. And so then I was like, "That's convenient," but I totally forgot about it because it wasn't strategic at all. It was just like, "Oh, this is cool." Because mm-hmm. it fits, and and then she was like, "Are you promoting your podcast to me?" Like, right yeah. <laughs> you know, I already listened consistently. Settle um, my product placement. <laughs> yeah, and it just reminded me of the IT crowd. So that's another shameless promotion of things that are no longer on air. But yeah, let's get let's get. Well, oh my god, Lindsay and I should be on th- on nailed it together. That would be. Fun. I think they probably film in California, so I could come visit you. That would be fun. I've never. I've never been to Southern California. Never? I have been. No. Wow. Yeah. I went to the Redwoods. Okay. And then I had to make it to Chicago by Friday. So, no. It did not happen yeah. that way. Yeah. There's stuff to see. 
Disneyland, because World is in Florida. Disneyland. I've been to the other Disney and seen the mascots without their heads on. We were, we were marching, so we had to go behind the scenes, and it's, it was very hot. Oh. So they were cooling off, so we had their heads off. It was very <laughs> disturbing. <laughs> that's that's the thing. Yes. Well, it was hot there, and it was very <laughs> cold in the winter. <laughs> of 1846 <laughs> by the way this is how when we were talking she's like oh we probably should start because it's so humid there it's but well let's go to the cold <laughs> <laughs> these are my transitions <laughs> so, so good speaking of weather <laughs> let's talk have you heard about the weather let's talk about cold weather <laughs> lizzie what are you gonna tell us about well i am gonna tell you about I'm going to just keep on with my theme. You know, I was on maybe a year or so ago, less than. No. Less? no um, you did the Donner Party. Yeah. The No Good, Very Bad Shortcut, which was paired with the O'Larry Singleton episode. Oh, um, yeah. And that was, that was great. And in that episode of, uh, about the Donner Party, I kind of spoke about these white people... <laughs> going from like i think it was illinois to california Mm -hmm. in the in like the mid 1840s they were trying to manifest their destiny got stuck in some terrible weather um tried to eat their native guides um yeah yeah, ended with accidental cannibalism and so we were trying to figure out what i was going to do this time and uh the suggestion with the i think we're 40 episodes apart (laughs) 40 episodes which would mean yeah yeah, like a week. Or a week. <laughs> <laughs> we don't do math. <laughs> Let's is... keep up that theme. We do, we're not a math what? podcast. If you came here for good math, there's, you're not getting There's me. a percentage in my podcast number. It's a joke. It's a joke. <laughs> the numbers are a joke. Um, yeah, yeah, because you're 36 and 37. I think you're 76 and 77. Wow, like so, exactly. Exactly. Yeah, wait, let me, I can double check it right there. Yeah. 76 and 77. Wow, that's cool. That's cool. That's not planned. <laughs> well, I hope to be back. We'll keep cutting it down. You'll come back on 30 episodes. Okay, okay, okay. Yeah, because that would be we'll 40. Get 20 yeah. episodes. Math. And then we'll just have to stop at 10 and then we'll go back out. Okay, okay. <laughs> we have to hope that there's more cannibal uh, stories out there because, right, so this particular story, we, I was like, you know, I don't know what to do. Maybe we'll do the Iron Country thing. And I, was, I started looking at that and I was like, oh, my God, I don't think I can say things about this. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> um, so then I was like, I could do ter- uh, the Titanic or I could do this story that I saw on TV. Um, and it didn't even hit me until much later that this story is actually quite reminiscent of the Donner Party because it is also set in the mid 1840s in a terrible winter with white people trying to go west, just trying to manifest their destiny and they end up probably eating each other so that was an accident but that is so am i just labeling this the donner party part two (laughs) (laughs) this is this is the franklin expedition um that i had never heard of until i saw the terror which was an amc show from a couple years ago which um had kieran hines as john franklin for whom the expedition is named oh saran hines is that how you say his name? I think it's uh, Saran or Saran. It's Irish. Yeah. I looked up the pronunciation online and the lady in the YouTube video said Kieran, but I have actually no idea. So, you know, we should have asked the, the one 
Men's Irish podcast. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry, Sinead. I'm sorry. It's my Russian episode all over again where I know plenty of people who speak Russian and I ask zero people about the <laughs> Uh So that guy, you know, that guy you all know and love is in it. Um, Jared Harris is uh, Francis Crozier. Tobias Menzies is James Fitzjames. He's Edmure Tully. That, that's how I know yeah, him. So Saran uh, Hines is the king north of the wall in Game of Thrones. Ah, yeah, Mance Raider. Yeah. Mance Raider. He's also in, oh, I can't remember. He's in a, Pride in, or a Jane Austen adaptation mm-hmm. from the 90s that I love. I think it's Persuasion. I'm going to go with Persuasion. He's amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, Tobias is also in Outlander. Oh, is he? Yeah. <laughs> he plays Claire's first husband and his uh, t- ancestor back in 18th century Scotland, who's a dick as well. <laughs> I am an IMDb for this shit, and I don't know why. My friends hate it. Because <laughs> I sit there and we'll watch something, I'm like, I know him! They're like, but do you? And I'm like, he was in this, and this, and this, and this. I used to play a game with my sister when we were little. Like, we had to connect. It was basically Six Degrees of Kevin Bacon, and we would just throw out two actors, and you had to, like, connect them. Okay, so Sandra Bullock worked with Keanu Reeves in Speed, and Keanu Reeves worked with Winona Ryder in, I'm sure, a movie. And, um, you know, you had to, like, connect him. In in the 90s, yes. Yeah, it was fun. Anyway, uh, yeah, Jared (laughs) Harris is in it as well. So that's how I found out about this general story. And in the TV show, spoiler, a giant monster comes in. And um, I just sent you a gif of the monster in the TV series. Okay, that what is happening? So that's... Toonbok, which is like apparently um, a kind of native monster. And in the TV show, this is kind of came out and ate a bunch of people. That didn't happen in history as far as I am aware of, but wanted to share that with you because it looks like a scary... Um... It looks... Okay, listeners, description. <coughs> Polar bear on roids. <laughs> with a, a, like a semi-human-ish face? Yeah. That turns into a zombie bear, I'm going to go with. Yeah, like over the course of the TV show, like it just kind of becomes more of a zombie bear type um, creature that is fairly scary. Yeah. You've just sold this show to me because I just watched Tox- Toxic Shark last weekend. <laughs> Toxic Shark. So, yes, it is the 1840s, which was a big decade for British imperialism. Shout out Woo! to the last episode where we <laughs> talked about this. Um, or maybe it was off mic, I'm not sure. Uh, um, British imperialism, a.k.a. my two year, last two years at Miami. Boom. So she, you, you would know then that in the 1840s, that uh, they took New Zealand, Hong Kong, and they lost Oregon. With it, their northwest border with Canada. And... So, um... Oh, by the way, when you mean Oregon, you also mean Washington, because it was the Oregon Territory. Correct. That I had I had a whole evening program on mapping the Pacific Northwest. So... <laughs> Courtney's fun facts strike again! Yay! This is, this is great. Yeah, see, that's, this is correct, right? Because, yeah, above Oregon, as we know it now, it would be Washington, but at the time, it was mm-hmm. Oregon Territory. There was a debate about lines and where to draw them, and I think they were playing dice games to win them. I'm going with that. <laughs> <laughs> 
So I'm going to go with George Vancouver fighting some American general to be like, I'm going to go with Lewis Merriweather. They're rolling dice to see who gets which line. That is not historically accurate at all. <laughs> That's, but you know what? It's fun to think about it. You know, the history. We can rewrite it. Um, Someone please draw that, though, because that would be great. The intent for the uh, trip, this expedition, which would become the Franklin Expedition, was to eventually find a way to um, China. I have here written in my notes Canada, but I think that that is intended to be actually China. They're trying to get to China. Um, They don't... As everyone is. Right. They don't want to go to... uh, Their typical route at this point is, like, around the south of Africa. So down um, around Africa, up through the Atlantic, this seems like you're not going the wrong way. No. So they're going, they're going around the Horn of Africa through the Indian Ocean, around that to China, or they're going around South America to the Pacific Northwest, and then not seeing land for a hot second, and then arriving in China. Yeah, so they're trying to take a shortcut. They're trying to not go around Africa. They want to go like north instead of south, and so. Um, Wait, are we looking for the Northwest Passage, that elusive bitch? Yes, we're looking for the <laughs> Northwest Passage. And so they they are looking for this desperately. They want to cut time, um, obviously, for financial purposes. And so they are sending this uh, these two ships out. Can I just say capitalism at its work at work? Let's save some money and kill some people. Yeah, honestly, like I think it like both of these stories with the Donner Party and the Franklin Expedition, like this is capitalism. This is like people going out trying to make money and then eventually cannibalizing each other. Like this is capitalism. Like <laughs> this is how that works. Um capitalism <laughs> equals cannibalism. <laughs> I mean, I mean, people say like zombies are like a metaphor for ca- uh, capitalism. I think so. It's, I've never heard that. That's fascinating. Yeah, like so you kind of like now that you're in the system, now you just have to go out and like spread the system. Um, so this was not John Franklin's first trip to the Arctic. Um, Can I ask you a question first? Is he related to Benjamin of the Isle of French Horse Franklin relations? I don't think so. But, you know, a lot of people probably like French whores, and a lot of people are named Ben. <laughs> so, I don't, I don't know. I can't say for sure. Um, also, this seems like the start of National Treasure 1. Another thing I don't know. <laughs> but, but could Wait, be. Wait, have you never watched the worst American history, but best Nicolas Cage movie, National Treasure? I haven't, and actually, when you first said it, I thought, I, you know what, I was imagining movie with Ben Stiller in the museum. <laughs> so I think I don't, like, I really don't know. <laughs> okay, listeners, please comment on whatever social media platform you like if you would like to have a watch party with Lindsay and I to watch National Treasure, because how has this not happened? Or, like, anything, because <laughs> apparently National I feel like... National Treasure, um, Toxic Shark... Airplane versus volcano. All these major cultural movements. I've just totally missed them. <laughs> um, Lindsay can make me watch the the show that inspired this. We'll watch one episode at least. <laughs> so <laughs> one episode. Yeah, I mean it's a good show. You know. So yeah. So please comment and if you want this, I would I would do it if enough people wanted. Like, what would be yeah. enough people? Uh, let's say fifty. Let's go with fifty. Minimum of fifty. Oh, I'm gonna go like. That. Five. Okay. Um. Yeah. Fifty. You're like, I just miss hanging out with you. We'll do five. <laughs> I just want to watch TV. It's summer. 
I mean, we can watch TV together without this. It's fine. I have, we can watch it on Rabbit. It's fine. I know how to do this. I'm talented that way. <laughs> you are talented. You can both have talented. Um, <clears throat> so let's talk about ship technology. Um, both the ships and the ships, one of them is called Erebus and one of them is called the Terror. I like, we got a Greek name. We got a straight up, let's go for it. Ship technology did not include answer bees. They did, however, include scientific instruments, navigational tools, a hand organ, one per ship, um, daguerreotype cameras, and one pet monkey called Jacko. Why, Why hand organ? Okay, yeah, I'll, I'll get there, like, later, but in general, both of the ships were very well stocked with things that would keep the spirits up of these men. So, gotcha. yeah, like... They carried a bunch of these things, even off ship, which became problematic. Um, <clears throat> I'm assuming they had an octet or a sextet for navigation purposes. Or these words sound like they belong on ships. And um... so, these <laughs> are random knowledge, Courtney knows again. Sorry, it's like ways to discover, like to map. So to see, like it's just variations. To, like it looks like a U, the triangle. And then you can use it to determine the angle of the sun based on you take the lens and you see where along the line. Oh. AKA the curvature of the earth. It is. Um, again, random facts I know. That's kind of cool. Yeah, well, the, both ships had at the time, like, cutting edge technology for the time. Um, Which, another fun fact, if you are in rough seas, it bumps them around and takes off the accuracy. <laughs> it kind of fucks with the accuracy. If the whole thing is oh. supposed to be still. Yeah. Just so, waves. you know, just put it in some packing peanuts in a box with some more packing peanuts in another box with some more packing peanuts. I guess at this point that would be cotton. So put it in a box with cotton, then another box with cotton, then another box with cotton. Cotton. Yeah. Not very good for this trip either, but we'll get there. <laughs> um. So they, the, the, both ships had massive amount of provisions. So I have a ton of numbers here. I'll just okay. kind of skim through them. So they had 36,487 pounds of ship's biscuit. Oh no, that's um, hardtack biscuit, and it, it's going to mold and be gross, but you're still going to eat it. It's going to be hard AF. They're going to put some water and soften it up, and hopefully it doesn't have weevils. Sounds disgusting. They had over 36,000 pounds. They had over 33,000 pounds of tinned meat, like veal, ox cheek, and roast beef. They had over 32,000 pounds of salt beef, almost as much as... Uh, as much of that as pork, um, over 20,000 pints of soup, over 9,000 pounds of chocolate, almost 9,000 pounds of preserved vegetables, around 5,000 gallons of ale and porter, lots of lemon juice in the form of 9,000 <laughs> pounds of it, and 200 well, gallons of wine. Lemon juice is scurvy. Yes. Lemon juice is scurvy. The chocolate is fascinating because you could, a century earlier, you might not have that much chocolate, because chocolate was still a rich man's game in the sev in the 18th century, but the 19th century, you see it becoming more widespread. And by the 20th century, during the World Wars, it was a treat. Mm. You know, like it's a common treat that would be in soldiers' rations. I love that there's salted meat because salt, if you don't have readily salt mines and stuff like that, it's very difficult to make. Basically, you're gonna take salt water and boil it down to salt. Oh, take really? that and like stir it, and yeah, it takes a hot minute. That's what Lewis and Clark did. Again, another Courtney fun fact. <laughs> well, this is why you have a history podcast, because you know all this stuff. 
<laughs> I've been in random jobs where I have to know random <laughs> things to answer people's questions. Well, the food wasn't basic either. They had um, 200 pounds of pepper, 170 pounds of cranberries, and a half ton, a half ton of mustard. They had that's oh, a lot of mustard. That's a lot of mu- they real. They don't like ketchup. They like mustard though. They had about almost 24,000 pounds of sugar, um, 2,400 pounds of tea. They had- well, they're British. <laughs> and guess guess what? <clears throat> they had uh, they had all that thousands of things. Yeah, for about 130 people total, they had 23 bottles of medicine. I just love the rationale. And I'm, <laughs> you think you think I would be shocked? And I'm just like, no, that sounds about right. We need more tea than medicine because medicine doesn't count as much as tea. I just like look at how prevalent sugar has become, and I would actually be curious mm. how it's stored. Is it in cones? Is it like in bags? Because Sugar can get iffy. I don't know how a lot of this was stored except for the meat and the tinned vegetables, which became an issue because the provider of the canned goods um, a few years later was caught in a scandal um, because he was so bad at canning that apparently in 1853, so like eight years after the trip that I'm going to tell you about, um, one ship had to throw like over 1,500 pounds of horrifically putrid canned meat overboard. Well, you have to think about it. Canning in the 19th century is a very new idea. Mm-hmm. So this is where we're getting, probably it's he's one of the first can, canning providers, which is why he's still getting contracts, mm-hmm. you know? <laughs> so 18th century, canning isn't a really thing really a thing we get start getting the industrial of the 19th century cans kind of become the necessity and it allows if you can do it well it allows for people to get vegetables and things year-round which if you could get vegetables and say lemon juice year-round hey scurvy's not a thing we like not having scurvy in vitamin uh c and d deficiency mm-hmm. it's great right not having scurvy is something i'm very happy about yeah yeah it's great that we don't really have a scurvy problem anymore. Except they, I, they don't know, but they do know that like with the stored lemon juice, like the mm-hmm. vitamin C aspects will um, oxidize De- or decrease in oh. some way, and so they had all these this vitamin C or in the form of lemon juice, but they also didn't know that it would slowly degrade over time. Um, the ship also had mahogany writing desks. A ton of school supplies for the men, um, and uh, all of this was intended to last them three years comfortably. But if they were careful, it could last them like five years. It was the I, idea. You know, the whole ship smelled of rich, deep mahogany <laughs> until they all died. Um, um, <laughs> I just always love their planning. They're like, so if you're like just generally three, but if you're good five years and you're just like y'all have never been on a ship who planted this shit right <laughs> that's i just i always love anytime you read the accounts they're always like yeah they said like if they're upper class accounts they're like they should last us and then they're eat the stuff they're eating you're like you're eating too much mm-hmm. this isn't gonna last you and the people below deck are like eating just their standard rations and of course you're gonna cut below deck before you cut cut uh cut the higher ups right in meals. the tv show they always had like really nice meals and stuff the captains and such and yeah. t- well until they didn't but <laughs> <laughs> until they did in terms of clothing the crewmen had wool cloaked wool cloak 
wool coats. There we go. Leather boots and wool mitts. They also had snow goggles, which seemed um good for going into the Arctic. Can um, I just say, at least they have leather boots. You can eat those. This is true. And this is what John Franklin was known for, kind of. The guy who ate his boots. Um... John Franklin was born in Spilsby, a village in the English county of Lincolnshire in eight, nope, 1786. Um, he, his first trip to the Arctic was spring of 1818, where he commanded a ship called the Trent, but was stopped by violent storms and pack ice. Despite that failure, Franklin was appointed to leave an overland expedition to explore subarctic Canada in 1819, um, but dis disaster would strike quickly. The party failed to return to their base camp before cold weather set in, their canoes fell apart, and they ran out of food. Um, also, someone allegedly killed and ate several men. Uh, this is a thing. Franklin it's not that uncommon. I don't know why people are so angry. Eating people? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I mean, but like, yeah, certainly. I mean, yeah, it, it is a in, little bit. In sea navigation, it's more common than they'd like to admit. In the because if you think about it, if your ship stops, it's disabled. What are you gonna do? You have to wait for a wind. Eventually, you're gonna run out of food. You're gonna run out of birds. You're gonna. Sorry, there was just a giant clap of thunder above me. Um, you're gonna <laughs> run out of leather. You're gonna run out of anything you can eat. Um, say you get stuck on an island. Navigation has been very dangerous for a long time, so people who say we haven't been eating each other, I call bullshit. It's it's all meat. It uh, it's long pig. It's fine. Franklin was not among the people who ate the other men, or at least he didn't say this out loud. Because when he got back to England after his three-year calamity, he was hailed as a hero as, quote, the man who ate his boots, end quote. And so this is, like, now a heroic thing. To eat your boots? Yeah. Because I think there's so much chemical treatment, you should not eat your boots. Don't, don't, dear listener, don't eat your boots. It's just this guy <laughs> from a long time this is, ago. This is, this is going to add to our, our, our weekly reminder. Don't murder people, and now don't eat your boots. Don't do it. Don't do it. It's not, not a good worth idea. It. By 1845, he was a decorated naval officer and experienced explorer, but was also 59 years old and out of shape. And so a lot of the people who <laughs> were like... He's old now for that time. He's old. For, for, the, for the time. Yeah. For the time. The smog in the factories ain't got him. He's still kicking. He's still well. They didn't want to send him, though, but it's just the people that they chose first which were a guy named Ross and William Perry, they didn't want to go. You know these yeah. names? Well, Edmund Perry fought in the War of 1812. Great Lakes Brewery has a beer named after him. It's very delicious. <laughs> Cle it's a Cleveland brewery. They like to name beers after things. As, as of when this comes out, we'll have gotten Burning River for the Cuyahoga River catching on fire and Elliot Ness. So I don't remember ending that episode, but yeah. Um, <laughs> and if I ever cover um, Edmund Perry, yeah. Okay. So it's a it's a seaworthy family. Let's put it that way. If it's the same Perry, and the Ross family, I couldn't figure out which Ross it was. I know that there's a John and a James, and both are in the story, but I don't know which one is the father and which one's the son. But um, you know, if the British Navy's asking you to do something, you're a determined person. You've proven your weight at this point because unlike the British Army. The British Navy was like, yeah, nepotism ain't working so well. Mm -hmm. Like, we need competent men mm -hmm. doing this. So they were less nep nepotistic. Nep nepotistic, yeah. Nepotistic, yeah. 
they were less nepotistic than the army, who was, I mean, if you're on the bottom of that totem pole, it ain't, it ain't great, but uh, the top is a little better. You get less weevils. <laughs> and your sea biscuit or whatever thing. <laughs> it's a horse, but anyway. Um, yes, so they declined, and Franklin, he he was really wanting to go, and it's just they were like, you're a little bit old, but uh, okay, our guys don't want this to happen, and so, okay, you can go. So, before he left, oh, John Ross, the dad, agreed to go look for Franklin, and he was the only person to do so if he wasn't heard from by 1847. So he had a two-year kind of window um, before anyone would go look for him. I love the security nets below this. They're like, because I mean, didn't the Donner Party kind of the same thing? They're like, if we don't hear that you've gotten through by this point, we'll send someone back. And you're just like, it's a really long time. <laughs> yeah, it's always like, it's always like six months to a year if we don't hear from you. And you're like, we could get in danger tomorrow and die, and you would never know. Yeah. Because what, what did I just find? They found off of Canada the remains of, I think, a ship that had um, Irish potato famine people. And you're just like, what? Yeah. How do we not find them sooner? And I'm like, oh, wait, right. The technology is finally catching up. And probably they were offshore, so far offshore and uh, global warming. Yep, so. exactly. The the ships, well, that will come back to that. Yeah. <laughs> Um, Sorry, I'm so on top of ships. You, you, you are on top of your ship. It is true. Uh, <laughs> Franklin commanded the flagship Erebus, um, and the commander was James Fitzjames. And on the Terror, uh, right, it's kind of a sad name. It was a thing in the show. I don't know how accurate it is, but like James Fitzjames was like, I don't even know my name. And they just said James Fitzjames, and he came from nothing. I don't know how accurate that is. In fact, I think that's fiction. But, um. It, they're probably named after your father. Da, 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 da. Yeah, yeah. So it could be a family name. On the terror, Captain Francis Crozier would be the captain. So the expedition left with 129 men and would never return. Early, dun, dun, dun. Bom, bom, bom. Early the, into the, the hedgehog comes in. <laughs> Early into the trip, Franklin told his men that they would expect to be out for about four to five years. So, even though they had food for to live com- comfortably for three, they would be at least out for four, is what they told the men. There's some islands involvement, lots of, and then there's nothingness. Islands and then nothingness, which is about that would be the <laughs> name of the episodes: islands and then nothingness. Um, okay, wait, I got it, I got it. Okay, so it's um, the Donner Party Part 2, Islands and Nothingness. <laughs> We're just going to do every another, one of yours. Another bad shortcut. <laughs> the Franklin Party. You thought the first shortcut was bad. We got another one. The really, really bad shortcut. The even worse shortcut. Um, The shortcut to death. <laughs> the shortcut and the furious. <laughs> just do the fast and furious method. The faster and the furiouser. The faster and the more cannibalistic. Um, the <laughs> more long pig. <laughs> the first winter, which uh, spanned from 45 to 46, went according to plan. They were locked in by ice around Beachy Island, um, which you can see is like the second dot. Um, and all but three crewmen camped there during the winter. Well, what happened to the other three? They died. They were <laughs> buried in uh, little graves on the island and were found in 1850, excavated in the early 1980s. 
And what's kind of cool about them dying is that the cold basically preserved the bodies for over a century. So when you look at the pictures now, and I'll show you them in a minute, um, they look like not like corpses from the mid 1800s. Uh, they look like not like, I mean, they look kind of, it's really weird. It's creepy as fuck because their eyes are still open. Is it like uh, there's the people they find in bogs, and then they've also found people like in Central America and South America and Europe that are still perfectly preserved? Or what is the big thing going around? They found a direwolf's head recently. What? Did you not see that? Fake thing. I thought that was a Game of Thrones thing. A direwolf? No, no, direwolves are real. You need to go on the Facebook group, um, (laughs) self plug in a way. Um, I share lots of fun things like that. So not just true crime, but history that discovered. Like the direwolf's head, which creeps me the fuck out. Well, we I can show you this one now, which is... I'm going to show you the next one in a minute. But this one is like the reconstruction that like uh, someone did of their faces, which I thought was kind of cool. But yeah, their, their, their eyes were fucking open. Like, fucking close their eyes. Um... Put the coins on the eyes for the river sticks. Come on. Like, okay. um, gentlemen. Yeah, very they nice. Look, they look very nice. They look like um, a little gothic. <laughs> a la 30, or, uh, they look like a break a pod. They could be like um, in an emo band. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, who doesn't love emo? <laughs> <laughs> Says the girl listening to a CD from her high school days. <laughs> Dashboard confessional. Um, oh my god. <laughs> was that it? Did I call it? I mean, it's, it's a- Dashboard Confessional, The Fray, uh, Panic at the Disco, and uh, Fall Out Boy. The bodies were so perfectly preserved that, like, later in the 80s, they were able to run some tests. Um, and they found out that all three bodies had high levels of lead, which could have come from improper canning, that led to a neurological impairment. But more recent recent research suggests that it wasn't just bad canning practices, but more likely a combination of exposure, starvation, scurvy, tuberculosis, uh, Addison's disease, and zinc deficiency. Probably did it. Sounds like enough <laughs> to do someone in. Um, I'm sorry, it sounds like you just rolled some dice. You're like, what diseases do they have? One of these. Do you want to see the uh, mummy, the dead bodies? Uh, yes. Okay. Yes, I would. Please show me some mummies. So... I picked this picture as the one because I liked how um, this particular person had, like, drawn little diagrams and stuff. Ooh, they have each person. Mm-hmm. Okay, listeners, um, John Torrington has, like, you know what you picture when someone has their to- or their wisdom teeth out in old Victorian pictures? He has one of those around his head, but he still has a full, like, you can see, oh my god, I'm going to have to include these. Hopefully Facebook doesn't block them in the um show notes slash pictures but like you can see everything and they're like talking about different eye colors and mm-hmm. blonde hair god this is aren't they first... crazily preserved i mean His, of this, no. um parnell's shirt like their shirts are preserved like that's the crazy thing because cloth is the first thing to go you can still see the color of the hair mm-hmm. the beard oh my god it's like they were preserved at everest mm-hmm. i wonder are they in danger? Like, did they remove them? Or are they in danger, like, the Everest um, dead now? I think that they found them and then removed them. I think okay. that they removed them. The, the graves still exist, I know, but I think the bodies aren't there anymore. Yeah, because I know that the problem with the Everest marker dead now is because of global warming that 
the mountain is heating up, so bodies are starting to decompose Ooh. on the mountain, which if Maxwell from Relic does an episode on Everest dead. I think I heard, I listened to that one. Yeah, yeah. yeah and um, they're used as markers, but the problem is, well, first of all, right now, as we're recording, the problem is there's so many people going up there that there's a line to the top, which is problematic mm. because you only have so much oxygen mm-hmm. because you're so high. Oh, second cat. Hello, second cat. He's eating paper. Yeah, those are my students' <laughs> papers. <laughs> it's fine. My my cat and the dog. Um, and then they're markers to people of like how far to go. So that's my only concern. But no one's going up to the Arctic to be like, I'm going to climb this mountain, like Everest. Yeah, it's it's. I don't know where the bodies are anymore, but they were very well preserved in the cold, just like probably the bodies in Everest were that he described, because that was terrifying, just hearing his description. Um, they have they have ways because um, there's a couple of bodies that they've preserved that they've found and like that there's curses involved. Mm. <laughs> you know, I've shared it with Maxwell. It hopefully will be an episode that's not involving Nazis. <laughs> <laughs> For season one of Relic is all Nazis in in the way that I'm okay with it, and that we barely talk about Nazis. <laughs> uh, no Nazis in this one. There is winter though. And um, they did. Sur- <laughs> I'm sorry. All I thought was winter is coming. Win- winter definitely came. Um, and then it passed all over this bitch. <laughs> it did. Unfortunately for these men, <laughs> winter came on them hard. hard. <laughs> uh, they resumed. They resumed travel, but then got stuck in ice again. September 12th, 1846, so a few months after, north of King William Island. And the following May, a party of two officers and six men left a note in a cairn, cairn, which is apparently something that, like, they would put, they would build with stones around. Yes! Yeah, like, in cold places, so that it would, like, leave a message or whatever. The first, okay, so there's a single piece of paper. And the first thing that was written is they wintered in eight, uh, 46 to 47, though historians think that this is an error, that it was actually 45 to 46. And some take them um, take this as a sign that they were already going crazy. Like, Dates are wishy-washy, timey-wimey. Let's not lie. <laughs> but the creepy thing is, is that the original note says that all's well. It didn't say, like, people are dying or anything. Um, it said all, all well. And so I'll send you the picture of the the single piece of paper now. Yes, um, give me give me the spooky shit. You'll also see that there's more text that I I'll get to in a minute. Oh wait, okay. So um, the top half of it. Yeah, the top half, like in the lines, is the original okay. note. And I'm yeah. gonna read it because I sadly have this ability. Having wintered in 1846 at Beachy Island. I what? Beachy. Beach. Beachy. Oh, Beachy Island. In latitude 74, 43, 28, shit, lightning. Um, north, longitude 91, 30, 39, 51, west. After having ascended Wellington's Channel to longitude, latitude 77 degrees and returning by the west side of Corn Comwallis, uh, island wow welcome to my life (laughs) i i yeah so it ends with all all well like the actual text uh that there again there's additional text that i'll get to in a minute all Um, around by the way if you're 
there's some printed text and uh there's some written up. Oh yes. Up each side. I should mention if you ever need help reading this kind of text, unless it's free eighteenth century, I'm excellent at it. You did a really good job with that. I was so impressed. Especially after what I drank. I'm on my second, third glass of wine. That's that's fine. I'm on my third beer. So, you know, we're all there. We're all there, but we are John also Courtney all can still be. <laughs> can't do math. Uh, but <laughs> I, can't, I can't do math, but I can read 18th, 19th century texts and handwriting. <laughs> so, all well in 1847. Yes. Oh, no, all well, but in 1847, spring and summer never came to the Arctic. So they were stuck there for 18 months. Meanwhile, John Franklin died on June 11th, 1847, um, still stuck on the ship. Okay, I'm sorry, he's lucky. Because honestly, if you think about it, so this is past the little ice age. So we're starting to get a thaw. If you're still having that heart of winters, you need an icebreaker, which those ships probably weren't made to be icebreakers. Mm-hmm. They don't have a steel or iron hull to break up the ice. At least one of them. You're fucked. Mm-hmm. They so were, fucked. They were fucked. You're right. <laughs> <laughs> Again, um, random knowledge, fun facts. You, you know so much about I'm surprised. You hadn't heard of this story before. I feel like I've heard remnants of it, but I've never heard in depth. Wow. Um, I've again thesis was 18th century lower class individuals traveling on ships, and then last summer I had to learn about mapping the coasts of the Pacific Northwest. So I know a lot about boats, okay, in maritime culture. That's cool. Like a fuck ton, <laughs> like other knowledge, like probably more than crime knowledge. I know more about 18th century maritime. 18th. <laughs> that's awesome. Like that's cool. <laughs> So Franklin died in 1847. By spring of 48, they were still stuck um, and they were without their original captain. But now Crozier, who was captain of, I think, the Terror, is now like the main captain with Fitzjames as his second in command. They decided to abandon Erebus and Terror in a last ditch attempt at survival. And then they hosted boats on sledge, hoisted boats on sledges and packed them full of like shit of things. And then they would carry them across the Arctic. My question is, did they have dogs? What did they have? Okay. They did have one dog called Neptune, and they had a cat that unfortunately did not have a name. So they fucked. They more fucked. Mm -hmm. Unless they meet some kind natives who, I'm not going to lie, are going to be fucked for meeting them, but still. It was sad times for the Inuit, yes. So in April 25th, 1848... This is when they write the text that you see around the picture, the letter. Would you like me to read it? You can, or I have the actual text here. I didn't say this before. I have it. Do you want to just show off? (laughs) I can show off. Let me download this, though. Okay. (laughs) Party consisting of two officers and six men Mm -hmm. left ships on Monday, 24th, May, 1861. There's a three there, though, too, so who knows? And they have the officer signing it. I'm going to guess they go clockwise. Just the we're going to turn left. Been built by S.U.D. Swanese Croft in 1831 when it had been deposited by the late commander, something starting with a G, in Scribble, 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 1847. 
Mm-hmm. Are you just checking my reading on this? <laughs> I because I, I mean if it if it's if I'm wrong, let me know. Sir James R. Something has not something been found, and no paper has been can something starting with an H A N. We're going into not there's no common spelling to this position, which is that in which Sir J. Brusher Miller was erected. Am I going the wrong way? I don't know, but actually there's more text on the actual letter than the, the transcript that I have. So I wonder if your reading of this is actually more accurate than what was in this book <laughs> that I got this from. <laughs> Sir John Franklin died on the 11th June 1847 and the total L loss. Loss by death. Oh wait, I'm going to need to turn it again. <laughs> I'm just impressed with the level of intoxication I am that I'm still reading this. <laughs> But uh, I'm going to say five deaths in the, the expedition has been to the state officers and 15 men signing and 26 five back fish or fresh fish fish some other word James some going on to the next side so we're on the last portion if you're gonna I'm gonna post this but if you're following along <laughs> oh wait no fucking hell. They wrote it the same way, so you can't keep turning the page and reading it. It's um, it's really tough to read. So on this portion, basically the corner is let's put it this way: the corner has been bitten off, the page edges are trimmed. I'm gonna still try to read it, and then you're gonna read what the book has to see okay. if I. 1848, and the Temers and Timbers were deserted on the 22nd. Something out there, five leagues. North northwest of this longitude been beset since twelve September eighteen forty six. The office officers and I want to say criers or some sort of term for um probably native people soldiers. Looks like a C R E R I Y E R S continuing of one hundred and fifty south under the command. Some okay torn off. F-R-M. Okay, oh, so it's someone's name. Tracer landed here in latitude 69-37-42, longitude, where, cut off again because you're going back to the corner, mm-hmm. where Mag found by Lieutenant, someone's name under the Cairns supposed to have, and that's it. So I'm guessing we probably started, I started backwards. Well, yeah, I, I don't know where you started, but again, you have more words here than what I have. Like, I mean, you've read more words than what I have on the quote-unquote transcript. So this is what um the, I got from a book. April 25th, 1848. H.M. ship Terror and Erebus were deserted on the 22nd of April, five leagues north-northwest of this, having been beset since the 12th of September, 1846. The officers and crews, consisting of 105 souls, under the command of Captain F.R.M. Crozier, landed here at latitude... 693742 North, longitude uh, 9841. Um, I don't know. That was the last portion I read. Okay. Sir John Franklin died on the 11th of June, 1847, and the total loss of deaths in this expedition has been to this date nine officers and 15 men, and start tomorrow, 26th, for Back Backs Fish River. That's all I got. So you got more than. Okay, so this they guy. read, basically, they have read, they have. Uh, transcribed each side of it. They haven't read, they haven't done the top and bottom. Ah, yeah, yeah. So I think that's just the top and bottom are like, this is what's left. The officers sign it and you move on. That's just 
which is really sad, but I'm not shocked. Yeah, I mean... As someone who's read several of these in print about people who are abandoning ship and there's dead and... Yeah. We don't... We personally think it's hard, but I'm like, okay, at that time, you could die in infancy, you could die as a teen, you could die as an adult. They're just like, you know what? It's sad, but we have to move on. Uh-huh. We have to survive. Yeah. It's survival mode at this point. It is survival mode, and yet they, when they do abandon ship, um, mm-hmm. they take a lot of things with them, such as piles of books, silverware, desks. That's what they put into the boats that they were hauling now with their dollar, bodies dollar bills, y'all. across the arctic um which couldn't have been uh so good for their physical condition no you're you're weak and you're gonna i would say everything except for the desks i'm like seems fair books are rare you can sell the books mm-hmm. silverware oh that's probably real silver mm-hmm. you can sell that the desks nice but that's too much physical exertion versus monetary gain I was thinking of it more as like creature comforts, like if so, because a lot of this, the planning went into like their mental resilience uh, or whatever. Like, so they wanted them to take quote unquote classes or whatever on the ships and stuff. And so then I was thinking, oh, maybe they want to just take the books with them so they can keep learning or something. Like, I don't know. I feel like they're starving and in the middle of nowhere. Like, to stop you can need a book. learning things. <laughs> you can need a book. All right, so around this time, yeah, they abandon their ship and they're carrying these boats full of desks <laughs> and books and things, heavy, heavy things. Um, and it's around it's me. It's me <laughs> carrying this shit. <laughs> it's like, I don't know. I just feel like, wouldn't this be around the time when would mutiny or something and be like, why am I carrying this desk across the snowdrift? But as it goes, they run Did into. Did they not s- carry food at all? They must have. They must have. They did. Because eventually later, like, hands were found all along the coast and stuff. So they must have. That's how they did it. Probably one boat with books and desks. <laughs> the other boat was food. I guess. It seems like the boats. nerdiest haul ever. Like, just <laughs> take care of yourself first. You know? Boats, boats, food, and books. Boats, food, and books. Boats, food, and books. What else do you need, really? This- <laughs> Probably not even boats, but in this case, they need boats to get them contain everything. Yeah. Contain all the books. You know it's just some dude's to-read pile in that one boat. <laughs> I always wanted to read this. I will one day. Um, They ran into some Inuits who were kind to them, and they said, hey, you know, this wool, like, when it gets cold, um, yeah, that's not good for you because it's going to freeze. And it's basically wearing, like, sheets of ice. And so the Inuits, like, help show them how to wear, like, leather fur things, um, which was better for the weather because if you were sweating, it wouldn't make you colder. It would just kind of actually sweat less, according to what I read. So basically you need baby seals or polar bears to not die. To not die, yeah. Because, well, I mean, that makes sense because think about if you sweat in wool, it absorbs the sweat. If you're in a really cold region, it's gonna freeze. It's gonna freeze, and yeah. um, like leather and fur have this membrane that prevents that uh-huh. it oils. So yeah, that makes sense. And um, by this time the wool was starting to disintegrate, so they were patching it up with flannel. Hey, cotton. <laughs> so basically, every great adventure story ends up with them eating their clothes. Their clothes disintegrating. And then wandering around naked, looking emancipated. Lewis and Clark did it. The Donners did it. Most people do it. 
don't feel bad. No, it's fine. You know, it means you're an adventurer. You know, you're naked. You've eaten your shoes. <laughs> you're a hero. If you're John Franklin back in the 1840s. <laughs> um, yes, they ran into the Inuits. They helped them. In exchange, uh, some records say that the um, sailors gave them things like nails, which were not really heard of uh, in Inuit culture, I guess. Um, um, I don't know how much ironworking has come into that region. Yeah, yeah. Because you need to work the metal, and they're not concerned about that. So, meanwhile, there is discussion now around this time about where the fuck are these people. And probably, Charles Dickens wrote, it was probably the Eskimo um, killing everybody. Who uh, Charles Dickens wrote in his magazine Household Words, quote, No man can, with any show of reason, undertake to affirm that this sad remnant of Franklin's gallant band were not set upon and slain by the Eskimo themselves. We believe every savage to be in his heart covetous, treacherous, and cruel. End quote. I'm glad that both of our episodes have slight racism in them. <laughs> this is for both of them. They're like super racist. <laughs> like, this is like Do you like super racism racist. and talking about historic things? Cult of domesticity. Cult of the cult of domesticity. We're Join gonna talk us. about it. We're gonna confront it, and oh, we're gonna so eat sad. some breadsticks. <laughs> That's wonderful. <laughs> eat some breadsticks. Hear about some racism. This is the show. Um, boo 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 boo. Yes. But Lady Jane Franklin, she's actually, if I had more time, I would have told the whole story from her perspective. Because around this time, she's like, where the fuck are these people? And shit needs to be done. Where are he? Where are he? <laughs> Can I just say, yas claim. Yeah, she was like, literally, she went to the US. She went to fucking Egypt. She was talking to Benjamin Disraeli. She made friends with Zachary Taylor, who was briefly our president um, before he died. Yeah. Jane Jane Franklin, so she she was like going all around trying to get oh oh and on her U.S. trip I thought this was funny she was like the U.S. is a terrible place where everyone is quote unquote hurried um no one is yeah happy. Europe Europe thinks that about us a lot I'm really? not gonna lie oh yeah they do not like our lifestyle at yeah. all I mean yeah everything is very hurried and busy and she was like the t- phrase Mary England never resonated more with me something like this you um, know. England is hurried, but, like, you still have, like, everyone's like, oh, let's meet at the pub, let's relax. The U.S., we're never like that. Like, even our, think about, even our drinking culture is like, hey, you want to go chug back some beers, get blacked out. Yeah. And then forget the weekend and then go to work on Monday. Yeah. That sounds good. That sounds fucking horrible and hungover as shit, but yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. America! America! Dislike this like this is it it was a big thing though people were really wondering where where these ships were because they were so fancy for the time and like so there were these paintings like even as early as 1851 that's the one that i sent you just now they were like should we go after these guys because they didn't want to go out um because they were like well there's enough food and you know and jane franklin's like what the fuck? They haven't been heard of in four years. Like, Sorry, to... you just sent me a bunch of white dudes pointing at maps. Yeah. <laughs> I did. <laughs> that is an accurate description of this painting, is white dudes pointing at said maps with further white dudes in portraits staring behind them. They're like, just looking off into the distance, some of them, like, just looking. 
Like the one guy in the middle. Like two guys in the middle. Three guys. You know, four guys. They're all just thinking about it. Like, just should thinking. we go point at this map? And and Jane Franklin's like, what the fuck? Like, yes, because what the hell? Um, so she actually started using some of the money that they were giving her for John Franklin. Oh. And she launched this massive expedition to find them. Uh, the quote, the Franklin search, grandiose yet hugely ineffective, has been called the most extensive, expensive, perverse, ill-starred, and abundantly written about manhunt in history. Based on information from salvers who plumbed the depths of for wrecks with the zeal of prospectors digging for the next motherlode, UNESCO estimates that there are more than three million shipwrecks lying at the bottom of the Earth's rivers, lakes, and oceans. Some are more than a thousand years old. None have spawned so many search expeditions spanning so many generations or fueled as much historical debate and political intrigue as Erebus and Terror. So, like, they were looking for these fucking boats for forever. And these these amounts, these monies that I sent you... These these um, <laughs> such a zero monies, but I sent you pictures of dollar amounts, pound amounts were like millions in that time so she and this was largely driven by her and her efforts to find john franklin you need you a wife like jane franklin like jane franklin and it's so sad because she kept sending him like writing him letters and stuff but like a, a lot of them were you know written after he died because he died in 47 and so it's kind of kind of sad and she had fully supported him in all of his efforts she was like this is what you love you should go do it like and you're good at this so you should do it i think it's so hard to find someone who is like, I'm going to support you with everything you do. And he found someone who was like, I'm going to support you. I'm going to keep writing you fucking letters, even though I don't know if you're dead or alive. And I bet you they're preserved. And she sent him, she she sent the first search party for him and everything. And so I thought it was good. This was found in um, one of the early, no, one of the, discovered in 1945. So this is a bunch of skulls. So this is probably after they left the boat. Mm-hmm. I mean, the ships, and they were, like, I don't oh, know, they yeah. just kind of gathered a bunch of skulls, I guess. So they found the ships, finally, in 2014 and 2016. Surprise- I remember them doing that. I remember it was big news. Mm-hmm. But if you have to think about the skulls, why they're all collected, they probably buried a bunch of people together and under rocks because it's snow and ice and warming happening so mm. oh i see so yes so then the ice melted and now there's just a pile of skulls mm-hmm. that's sad and because yeah. if you don't go past it you wouldn't notice it until like it melts enough like it probably was melting enough that they could decompose but not melting enough that people could see them because there's still some snow around so they're like oh snow mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah and that's why they think that they found the boats like just re- somewhat recently right 2014-16 is because of global warming because now they can like search better well also technology but like now there's not ice every fucking where um, which is i mean it's the cycle of the earth plus we should be concerned yeah yeah so they found the boats and they're like oh shit Mm-hmm. yeah but they were completely fairly like intact so they it, uh-huh. they it confirmed that like they just abandoned them you know in addition they somewhat like there's really recent more recent um information where some of the bones that they found some of the bodies were apparently f- had female dna and it was european dna with the um bodies from the terror and erebus and so but the the speculation is well this is this these are probably 
women, females, um, but they think that four out of 130 people is, like, way too much, like, for, to be on a ship. So um, that is, like, more recent as in, like, the couple, past couple years, like, even more recent than the ships So they being think found. maybe the ship, people from the ship, blended into the Inuit community, had children. The article that I read, which was from a very reputable source, such as something like the Daily Mail <laughs> or something, was suggesting that they thought that there were women on the original ship. I mean, there could, it wouldn't be, in that period, depending, it wouldn't be uncommon. You need laundresses and stuff like that. But it depends how frequently their DNA pops up. Uh-huh. My thought is, if you're walking away, there could be lower class people who are like, fuck you. These people seem to know what's going on, convinced to get the trust of the tribe and surviving that way in ones and twos, maybe threes. Uh-huh. So not maybe not everyone died right away, but uh-huh. interbred well, and married. And-, and with the mm-hmm. Inuit communities, one of the reasons why the searches the search for these ships was so stalled was because they completely didn't. They were disinterested in the Inuit, the native people's accounts of what happened. I mean, one of the accounts was like, yeah, they were all camped out and basically eating each other. And they were like, well, that's ridiculous. <laughs> and um, so they didn't believe them. And that's one of the reasons why, uh, you know, they were like, well, probably the, the Eskimo did it themselves, you know. So but that's basically that's basically the story. Of course, there's much more. A lot of this information came from Paul Watson's book, um, boo, 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 Ice Ghosts. The Epic Hunt for the Lost Franklin Expedition. And that, uh, I think it won the Pulitzer Prize. It was, a, it was a good, fast, quick read. I mean, at the end, it was more about the search for the boats and everything. And so, and it covered how, you know, it wasn't until they actually embraced the oral tradition and the histories that the Inuits had to offer that they actually made any kind of real progress. So. I mean, that makes sense. You see the, towards the 70s, 80s, 90s, you see this change in history where oral histories are taking more of an effect. Um, looking at the the lesser than histories, not looking at the great man histories to figure out things. So that would make sense that at that point they're like, okay, let's look at these smaller histories. And I've talked to people who've done, um, can't remember her first name, Achebe. She came to interview at Miami when I was there and she was talking about how she'd go into Africa because she was from Nairobi and like talk to these people about the history of the African people but using oral histories. Oral history is an amazing resource if you compare it like, okay, do it oral history, then compare it to, if you can, documentation. I just love, this is what I love about history. At this point, the field is like oral history. You can combine it with written history. If there isn't written history, you have to detangle it. And it's all about figuring out how to detangle it. And the historians who probably detangled the history for this realized, oh, they know where the ship is. They can lead us. To- think about it. They probably have scavenged that ship so many times for things mm, and yeah. went back went back there. It was a marker. Because- before, before they sunk, yeah, for sure. Yeah, and you think about it. Those cultures are so rich in oral tradition that we don't, which reminds me of my African history class, uh, it's the westernized culture thinking if you don't have a written history, you don't have a history, which is a very 18th, 19th century view of history but if you don't have written history it doesn't mean you don't have history it just means you need to detangle it from stories Mm -hmm. which stories can elaborate but it can also bring a richer view of history 
Right. So it was the problem with Africa, but not Asia. It's a profit problem of Inuit cultures. It's a problem of pre-American cultures. Mm-hmm. Europeans like paper. Right. And that's the thing of it, too, is like it, things have been documented. It's just not been written down in a way that like makes sense to people from the West. Like I know that there are other kinds of ways of documenting things like there's that language in um, maybe Peru or South America where they make knots, you know, and that's mm. a totally legit yeah. form of knowledge transmission. Like, but it's because people aren't literate to, you know, in and how to read that it almost like it doesn't exist you know or dance is another form of language or communication and people just can't read it and so they're like oh that's fun and cool that you can do that but they're not fully understanding the role that that might play in terms of marking history marking culture marking you know things beyond just moving one's body you know what it can symbolize yeah Yeah. so you brought me now I love it because you brought me a mix of Western culture when they set out and a, a non-Western culture to finish it. Well, it's, <laughs> it's two different types of history, and I've done several different types of history. Maybe not in this podcast. I've tried to bring more, but it brings me great joy to, to show like, hey, maybe your history isn't written down. Your history isn't what you think, but there's still validity in stories and retellings and all that yeah and it doesn't like these minor stories or or not minor stories but like my one of my friends her term is like minor temporalities um Mm -hmm. but it's like uh these they don't disqualify or disprove in some way the the larger narrative but they it just fleshes it out more and it shows different um interpretations of the same event it's not like it's yeah it doesn't challenge in the same way that like one might think it might you know it doesn't change all of one's history because including another version you know doesn't dismantle your sense of self or shouldn't (laughs) you know because these native stories they always thought like oh this is the story of it and they're like no we have these stories of it and when people finally listen they're like oh you know exactly what happened to these people they got stuck they started cannibalizing themselves probably some people had broken off and gone to the villages and Mm-hmm. told the stories how else do you get these stories mm-hmm. and it's it's very similar sorry to go back to this lewis lewis and clark where they said these people helped us because of so and so because of this because of that and granted those are white men's stories but if we had the other side think about they would be like oh we saw these like the chinook indians helping them out at the mouth of Columbia. they're like we saw these poor white men huddled in a cor- in a cave trying to combat the great columbia river so we sold them salmon you know like they didn't know about the 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 columbia has tides as well as seasons and they were here in the wrong season you know it's all Mm -hmm. these things that could fill it out more and really without the inuit stories we would never have found we Mm -hmm. would have to rely on solely probably satellite data to find these ships Mm -hmm. and even then we wouldn't get the complete story but hearing from the people you get oh they were starving they ate each other some people escaped they came and they had to have interbred with the people you know Mm -hmm. there's speculation that crozier the second captain um he because they never could determine what happened to him and so there is some speculation that like what you said that he just broke off and became you know integrated into the inuit communities there Um, it's it's not surprising it's happened who knows how many times before and you know what it does it stimulates that gene gene pool it diversifies 
Mm. and stimulates it in a different way. Mm -hmm. That's why they say Africa has the most unique gene gene pool because think about how many times, so say people migrate, well, you have Asian people coming back to Africa, you have Europeans coming back to Africa. So it's just changing up that gene pool. So he brought diversity in. And probably the only way he could survive was marriage. Mm -hmm. If you think about it, anytime you hear any stories of people coming into non-European or even just because I started rewatching the show Viking, they bring in Rolo has to marry a French princess to be accepted. You know, Mm -hmm. it's how you gain acceptance. You marry, you show your state by marriage. You Mm -hmm. say, I'm going to breed children with this. I'm going to confirm. And that's probably what happened. Probably not with like, think about it. If you escaped early enough, you could have been okay and like fit in. Mm -hmm. So totally random knowledge facts yeah no i mean you know a lot about this so it makes sense that you would have random knowledge facts so so do you want to tell us where we can find you before we have Lindsay's back <laughs> the, closing, the closeout song <laughs> uh yeah i am on 33 percent pulp it's a podcast about books you can find us on any podcast player podcatcher um i'm on twitter at 33 underscore pulp and on instagram at 33 pulp Yes. yes. You should definitely check it out for at least the killer crabs. <laughs> Tell a friend. Tell <laughs> uh, we'll catch you next. I don't know who's coming up, so tune in to check out and see what we're going to talk about, who we're going to talk about, and what topics. Because I don't know. Lindsay, How exciting. You know, I know. It's um, so exciting. I don't know, but I hope in the near future I can talk more about like, missing people and cannibals, because that's fun. <laughs> <laughs> I'm always kidding. <laughs> Bye. Are you ready? You bet I am. Someone light the candle. Turn out the lights. Bloody Mary. Bloody Mary. I'm just kidding. We're totally not doing this. Welcome to the Lady Dicks Podcast, Season 2. We're about to rain some seriously weird shit down on you. Pirates. Witches. And lots of bitches. More ghosts. Uh, I think they prefer to be called specters. Mummies. Lots of mummies. The wrapped in fabric kind, not the pack your lunch kind. Gangstas. Like gangs of New York. Like Al Capone. No Leo. No Leo. Ships. So many ships. Okay, so here's the deal. You can find us on all of your favorite podcasting apps, Stitcher, iTunes, SoundCloud, and even Spotify. Seriously? Yeah, we're on Spotify. I mean, granted, I don't have Spotify, so I can't check. Well, search the Lady Dicks podcast on wherever you listen and you'll find us. Hey, Lindsay, are you ever curious about those old books with weird covers in the bargain bins? Oh my god, yes. Hey, Daniel, would you be in a book club where no one reads the whole book? Funny you ask, because that's our show, 33% Pulp. You, I, and a guest host each read a different third of a pulp novel and then recap the whole thing together. We start with context, the author, genre, themes, and so on. By the end of the third episode, you'll have heard the main plot, our commentary, and confusion. And sometimes we have companion episodes with related content from beyond the book with other podcasts. We're 33% pulp and 100% hopeful you'll join us. Bye! of domesticity we're available on all podcatchers remember to rate review subscribe to help spread the word or just force other people to listen to it our facebook and twitter are at domestic podcasts and our instagram is at the cult of domesticity we also have podcast merch at threadless 
as well, if you want to support us financially or show some appreciation, we have a PayPal tip jar and a Patreon, which has some pretty great perks. Any topic suggestions, feel free to email us at domesticpodcast at gmail.com. Remember to stay domestic and cult-free. <laughs>